1: Today's podcast is sponsored by my new favorite animated TV show, Tuttle Twins, the first cartoon series to teach kids principles of freedom, economics, and liberty, and to be funny in the process. Nowadays, hidden political agendas are constantly forced on your kids in entertainment and in schools. Tuttle Twins is a hilarious cartoon series that teaches kids about the principles of freedom without being overly preachy. It's educational and hilarious, and there are lots of jokes for adults too. The best part, you can watch Tuttle Twins entirely for free. Just go to Tuttletwins.tv. That is Tuttle Twins T-U-T-T-L-E-T-W-I-N-S.tv. And over there, you can watch all of the episodes for free. One more time, that's Tuttletwins.tv. Highly recommend it. Go check it out. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to another episode of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, today's conversation is going to be very interesting. We are going to be talking about homelessness and housing, and who better to do that with than Tyler Alvarez, who is from San Diego. He has been working in this area for a couple of years and has got some interesting insights, which he's going to be sharing with us. So welcome to the show, Tyler.
2: Hey, Zuby. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, elaborate on my uh, my personal experience. So yeah, thanks for having You're me.
1: Sure. No doubt, bro. Happy to have you here. So I've done a brief intro right there, but yeah. tell people a little bit more about who you are and what you do.
2: Yeah, I'm a 28-year-old uh, living in San Diego. Um, before this, I was living in Ventura County. If you know California, it's about a two-hour drive. Uh, downwards towards the coast. Um, And so when I was in college, I was doing a lot of homeless outreach and I got involved with my school student government um, where I became the chief of staff there. Um, And part of that was to do um, community and uh, university outreach. So I found through community and and university outreach, uh, there's a homeless problem, right? There's a homeless problem in university and in the city uh, that I was living in. I was living in Oxnard, California at the time. So uh, just kind of something I wanted to do was gather some of my constituents from student government and friends and, Whoever may be willing, I did some social media pushing um, to kind of, you know, shed some love and, and, and show our city some um, love by feeding clothing um, homeless people just by simply bringing them food and and clothes. Um, but then when I moved to San Diego, I got a little more um, intricate with the with the whole idea of housing and homelessness. So what that meant was I, I joined a nonprofit organization. It was called PATH, People Assisting the Homeless. Um, and what, they, what their philosophy is um, to combat homelessness is called Housing First. Um, I can go into the, what that looks like and what that means, um, but that's a little bit of background of how I got into it and, and where I'm at now with it.
1: Awesome. So before we go into some of the details of that, Tell me a little bit more about your own background and story. What was it that even led you to want totally. to get involved in all this?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so I come from a, a, a dad who came from Mexico and a mom who came from Canada, both uh, immigrated over here with their families. Um, so uh, they never really had the full college experience. So I was the first of the family to get that experience and all that. So coming from a background where, you know, we, we were trying to make it work and really trying to get through the, uh, you know, American society, American lifestyle. Um, I, I, I quickly got into touch with a lot of people who were on hard times, right? So, uh, I was introduced to the homeless, um, issue, uh, with a sense of compassion, right? I came from it from like, man, these people are just down to luck. Uh, look at the, you know, increase in, um, unemployment rates, look how high housing is, look how the cost of everything, right? It's just, it's obvious how people get into homelessness. Um, but you know, getting into PATH in that organization, I learned that uh, those isn't always the story, um, but just really my story would be just, you know, living in the cities I lived in, getting to know the community. I was a latchkey kid. So I was always walking around the cities, going to boys and girls clubs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I really got intricate with it and, and got to know it well on a different level than, you know, you see on social media or on TV. Um, I really got down and dirty with it, if you will. Um, but um, yeah, that's where it started. I, I just had a I guess a compassionate mindset uh, at first. That kind of turned into a, a, a realistic realm um, uh, as it grew. Up. So yeah,
1: that's awesome, man. And when you joined this organization yeah. path, how how long did you how long were you working with them for? First of all.
2: Yeah, for about a year and four months. So right when the pandemic hit, I was already working them um, with a year. Uh, and then I continued through the pandemic for about three years until making making a change. So I would say about a, about a year and three months of really uh, getting to know housing policy um, and getting to know my city of San Diego at that time. So, yeah, mm. about a year and some change.
1: And what were some of the key things that you learned or some of the key takeaways from that?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, well, you go from Little Oxnard, which is not 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 big on the grand scheme of things and you come to a bigger city like San Diego, uh, you just see a, a the increase in numbers. Obviously at first, it's just a numbers game. Obviously when you go to a, a denser population, there's more chance for homelessness and seeing that. Um, so uh, yeah, when I came into San Diego, I realized like uh, the issue is much bigger and um, a lot of the uh, policy around it um, didn't match what was I was seeing on the street, like the need for, you know, uh, direct services, whether that be uh, drug, mental health, or finding job. Uh, it didn't seem that there was a connect between the people living on the street and the people providing the the services and the policies out there um, on the grand scale. So I noticed that through my own walking arounds. And then when I decided to get into the housing first policy to see what it's about, um, that's when I really got hit hard with uh, what the issue was.
1: And what was that issue?
2: Uh, Yeah, the issue was um, if you give someone housing uh, and hope that their mental health crisis, the drug issue, or that they'll find a job will just suddenly happen, uh, it doesn't. Because, you know, we do provide general services. Most nonprofits in the housing first sector do provide uh, Uber lifts to get to job appointments, housing appointments, all that kind of stuff. Um, They give all sorts of uh, demos on how to do general housing things to make sure you can sustain housing and be a a suitable tenant. Um, And it still seemed like just throwing them into housing, offering these general services on like a hands-off basis, like, Hey, we offer these on site. If you want to come great. If not, you know, that's up to you. It seemed like it was more of like a throw them in the house and hopefully everything kind of figures itself out. And after me personally, you know, housing over 50 people and seeing all of them um, come back to the streets, man, honestly, come back to the streets with the same, the same issues that they were having prior to being housed. I was like, well, you know, I was told I was given this bill of goods that if you put someone in housing, they'll just figure it out. It's it's easier. But I, I saw firsthand how it, it doesn't happen like that.
1: What was it that was causing them to return to the streets after having housing?
2: You know, I think so. One of the one of the glaring issues that I realized that, you know, you put in some effort, finding housing. and And during that time. Uh, you'll get your phone calls returned by your client. They'll be interested. They'll be willing. They want to, you know, they want to get that housing. They want to be uh, um, off the streets, if you will. So you, you go into it like, oh, okay, we got someone who's ready, who's willing. Da-da. But then when you get them into housing, you really start realizing like they do not, answer phone calls. They're not willing to go to job fairs. Uh, When we broach the subject of drugs, they always come at it with, I have no issue when, you know, I've taken them on many housing appointments and seen firsthand, you know, they'll come to the appointment on drugs, drunk, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And, and I wasn't given the full reign to be like, Hey, we're not going to do this appointment today because of, you know, you didn't decide to come correct, you know, correct. So Mm -hmm. we, we need to so, you know, take another day, but I didn't have that, that ability because we were, uh, we were hands off. We were, you know, this is a, it's a personal problem. People with drug issues, mental health issues, like, you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to mess with that too much. We want to get them into housing so we can show, you know, our, our, uh, our donors that we checked that box. We housed mm. them. We did what we said we we're going to do. Now the rest is like, well, I hope they get fixed, you know? And it just, it just didn't happen that way.
1: And so they were, I just want to be clear on this. So they were yeah. returning to the streets, so that they could continue to indulge in those addictions is that correct
2: yeah i mean so when we gave housing we didn't we didn't say you needed to be clean sober to continue to receive you know general services so it wasn't like we were doing monthly check-ins like hey how's the drug issue going how's the job search going nothing like that um so they took it as i mean and it, it seemed that way as a free ride, right? Like, hey, we're going to put you up for nine months. You know what you need to do. You know why you're homeless, right? And if that was the case, then you would think that person would have taken some sort of steps the years prior before coming to our organization, right? So you saw that and you went, okay, they've been homeless for 10 years. They've been through the housing first cycle for multiple different organizations. They've come to us and they're doing this again. We know the other organizations they've been to. We've seen they've received general services and have already had rental assistance. But we're going to do this again, and hope it works again. And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it's a vicious cycle that um, that greases the pockets of, I mean, so many people and property managers that, I mean, they just don't deserve that 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 money and that that consistent business from our organization because we're trying to help you know the people who are downtrodden. So I hear yeah. that.
1: So this yeah. organization is it? Um, is it a charity or is it government related?
2: It's a nonprofit that was getting city and state contracts, right? So, okay. and, and they'd be um, private as well. So maybe they found a donor who was interested in doing, um, you know, building a housing structure like perfect, you know, match with us. We do housing first, you can build a structure, you can get paid, and mm-hmm. then we'll get people into your units and pff, we got a whole, we got a whole deal, you know, and I didn't see that at first. I saw it as look at these developers, they're trying to just build some homes, affordable housing for the, you know, the people who need it the most in the city mm-hmm. when it's like, well, there's a whole lot more that goes into what does it look like to build a whole structure? How many units goes into that? How much city state funding is going into that? How many people are we paying to make sure that building doesn't go to complete crap within a, you know, 30 day, a year, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So there's so many more layers to that problem that when you just house someone and go, oh, look, we're good. You, I mean, they get lost in the in the shuffle, in the system, whatever words you want to, you know, put on it.
1: I get that. So it seems like, I guess almost looking at it from a business perspective is yeah. perhaps people are even looking at the wrong success metrics, right? So the success, success okay. metrics shouldn't be just getting someone in housing. It should be, okay, where is this person within a year or two years or whatever time frame to see if doing that actually gave them a step up on the ladder to go on and become more self-sustaining. So that's how I, that's what it looks like to me. So on one hand, on paper, it's looking like, okay, cool. Look, we got this many people in housing. We Mm -hmm. we got this much. But if in the long term, a large number of those people are just returning back to their, back to the street and their old habits, then, or they they never even stopped those habits to begin with, Mm -hmm. then of course, it's not really going to be. Is not going to be successful and if, if anything right. you know you'll have certain people who are who are profiting off that landlords etc um you know it sounds like good business for them but mm-hmm. ultimately it's not helping the right people
2: yeah man you're you're a quick learner zuby that's that's pretty much brother what i came to by the end of my time there it seemed like it was a the word i like to use is homeless industrial complex man mm. it was you know what i'm saying so uh, we were there we put out these big. Uh, uh, promotions these you know they're pushing social media they're linkedin yada yada all these things where it's like look what we're doing we're trying to get our most vulnerable on the streets housed isn't that good doesn't this does an organization need more funding to do this you already know everyone doesn't have housing everyone's paying so much for housing yada yada they prey on those on those little key points that everyone can kind of agree with and then they go hey look we're going to do a data point where it just shows that we're, we're going to house them they're good they're, they're fudging the numbers essentially i mean mm-hmm. maybe not i didn't know the back end of path to the, to the legitimate point of where they were giving over to uh, state, local, whatever it may be. I didn't know the data that was there, but from what I know and the data that I was told to give every month to my, my lead was to show how many did you house and how much did it cost our organization to house them and how much will it cost for nine months mm-hmm. so we can show the state, the city, hey, this is how much it's going to cost to house
1: one person.
2: Not, and not, how much does you
1: know, how much does it cost to house one person for nine months? So
2: for San Diego, um, I don't have a good number, but I know for L.A. And if you 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 can take a you can drop that number down by a little bit. It's a mm-hmm. in the range of seven hundred fifty thousand to eight hundred fifty thousand dollars,
1: depend per, per person. Yes. Depending- wait, wait.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? wait. Wait. I get wait. a lot of like this when, when I say this. It, it, it because like like you said earlier too, Zuby. You know when you're looking at the cost of cr- building housing. Uh, paying people to stay there and 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 watch the homeless individuals and make sure nothing you know, all that it's it's a it's a cumulative cost that that isn't just hey, we built that rental apartment there, and that's how much no 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 it's a whole system that that then equals a value, which comes out to one of those numbers that I just gave you and that I mean, if you look at how much we're spending on students it's it's ridiculous how low we pay on students compared to
1: homeless individuals and and mm. there's a disconnect there, you know i'm my mind is blown by that number. I mean, if yeah. you'd said 75,000, I would have been like, man, that's, that sounds that's high. I- 750,000. I'm like, you're talking, that's like a million dollars a year. Yeah. We're, we're looking at 750,000 for nine months.
2: Right. Right. No, So, so 750,000 to get them housed. Right. So yeah. that would be the whole we're looking at. So when you house them, they're doing the numbers for what's it going to look like after a rental system done. So yes. that's like the encompassing uh, value, not just like one month to you know what I'm saying? Gotcha, so yeah. it's a, it's the encompassing value. Yeah. But uh, one person who really got me on to these numbers and to the statistics of it all, cause I was more um, on the sense to feel like I was on the streets with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Schellenberger, I don't know if you've seen the Joe wrote. Yeah. So he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have him
1: on my podcast in the future.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. He, he just had one today, but I think there was another one a while back and that's what really sparked me to, to dive deep into what numbers are and into what It looks like when you're looking at cost, because when you look Mm. at the human uh, element, you'll get lost in the sauce, uh, you know, in the sense of like, man, like, oh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, these people can't kick drugs. I mean, they've been doing it for years. It's tough. Like the job market is tough. Yeah, it all makes sense. But Michael Schellenberger really uh, actualized it for me and made it seem like we are doing uh, almost everything we can. But this housing first thing is not working and me living it. It's not working.
1: So, before we move on, out of the. So, you said you helped to house 50 people during your time there. Is that? Yeah, rough number, give or take. Okay. Uh, Approximately, what was the. What percentage of those people got their Mm -hmm. act together versus Mm -hmm. did not, or at least in the short term?
2: You know, I don't want to do scare tactics and all that and come on here to do Mm -hmm. some crazy numbers, but honestly, I, I had. I had one woman who really got her act together because, and and I like to give this story because she found her why and her why was her children. Mm -hmm. She had five boys and a fully autistic daughter Mm -hmm. and she was a single mother. Her husband stayed back um, at the state they lived in and she came to San Diego hoping to get this housing first service, right? So people are coming from different States to uh, come to San Diego, California, California specifically Mm -hmm. to get this type of assistance. So, she came in, but she came in on fire, ready to okay. ready to change her life, ready to do it all. And what I found out was there was nothing, there was no, uh, as Michael Schellenberger says, carrot or stick. It was just simply she saw the human suffering of her children, and she didn't want to be a part of that. So mm. every time we would go to a, a housing appointment or whatever, we did a, a face-to-face meeting, she brought her kids. And at first I was like, this isn't conducive, but then I realized it makes her sit back and realize – this is what I'm doing for. Mm. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm talking to this 24 year old kid, letting him tell me, you know, I mean, she, she's probably seen so much life. And you have me sitting there like, well, you need to do this. And you need to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So um, that was one of the success stories. But going back to your initial question, brother, I mean, 85, 90% of them all had some serious drug issue or some serious mm. mental health issue that sparked from a drug issue that just never got taken care of. And then when they came into our organization, it was kind of not in, enables, not the good word, but I mean, almost enabled because they just gave, yeah. it, you know, we gave him a house and it was like, fix it, fix it, figure it out.
1: Yeah. Well, it's compassion is a, is a complicated thing. It is. And, um, it manifests differently in different people and mm-hmm. it can cause, it can cause as many problems as it can fix, right? Okay. There's a form of compassion which manifests in enablement. Mm-hmm. essentially or encouragement. Mm-hmm. You can see this when you I don't know if you've ever watched those TV shows where you've got someone who weighs like 600 pounds or yes. something and you know and yes. there's always someone who's you know there's someone who's cooking them all those meals and feeding mm-hmm. them and buying, right there's someone who's feeding them all that. Right. And when they speak to them it's always like oh you know well I love this person I care about them whether it's their son it's their partner whatever. Right. And it's like well you you're killing that person though. Right, you're killing them. So compassion can also manifest as a form of tough love you know um, right this is something that you you know if people get get from from their parents fa- fathers mm-hmm. in particular in many mm-hmm. cases right where it's like okay mm-hmm. well a good parent isn't a parent who just lets a child says yes to everything and allows them to do whatever they want and always have their own way right there has to right. be discipline you have to encourage and uh, encourage the right behaviors discourage the wrong ones etc right. but i find that Oftentimes, people who are very high in compassion, whilst they may mean well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: oftentimes they do a lot of damage with what they actually propose because they're mm-hmm. they, they they just encourage they encourage the bad behavior. They're, they're too afraid to be seen as being I don't know harsh or tough or whatever right. to do anything that doesn't, on the very surface level, seem quote unquote mm. nice. And I, right. that uh, that seems to be a big problem. I mean, I've been to I haven't been to San Diego. I've been to L.A. a couple of times. I've been mm-hmm. to San Francisco. And you know, Tyler, I've traveled to I think at this point thirty eight different countries mm-hmm. um, and hundreds of cities. And when it comes to this combination of homelessness and drug addiction and mental health issues, I have not seen anything anywhere in the world. Like I've seen in those two cities. And yeah. I'm not the only one to right. to say that, but it's 100%. very odd. I mean, every country you go to, there, there's homelessness, right? Homelessness exists yeah. in, Yes. it's part of some form. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. just like poverty has always been there, or mm-hmm. homelessness mm-hmm. has always been there. It exists. But in those cities, I just felt this strange, it was, it was quite dystopian in, in mm-hmm. certain areas in the you know, Tenderloin downtown area of San Francisco, you know, obviously Skid Row in LA, but even scattered around other parts of the city now. Right. And I was just like, this is so strange. Also when you consider these are two of the most um these are two of the most expensive cities in the world, not just Mm -hmm. in the USA. These are two of the most when it comes to you know highest living costs in the world, you've got people earning all of this money, et cetera. Totally. Um, and then on the flip side, you're just seeing this very desperate and alarming form. No, not it's not, it's not the homelessness actually. That's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. particularly weird. It's the, it's the drugs and the mental exactly. health problems.
2: No, you're, you're hitting on something there. It's not, it, it's an obvious problem that we have people living on the street and all that, but it's, it's, it's the, it's what is actually happening. I mean, I've, I've had the communications. We all look by and we're all, Oh man, it's like, look like they haven't showered in a while. It looks like they're on drugs or they're talking to someone that's not there. We all had those moments where we see someone and you're like, what's going on. Um, but for me, it's like the enabling part, like you said, I saw, you know, part of the housing first is, um, harm reduction. So let me explain harm reduction to you. What harm reduction means is say someone has an alcohol problem where they, for the past 10 years have been drinking 10 beers a day, right? That's that's just a general guideline, 10 years a day. So what PATH said, and what a lot of these housing first enabling nonprofits do is they say, let's do harm reduction. And let's say if they now are drinking eight beers a day. We're doing good. They might be drinking still. They're not going to housing appointments. They're not answering phone calls that they need to. But they're at least they're drinking eight beers a day. That's a win. Now you sit here and tell me how that is a win. Like it just it's just not. You you, you just because someone is drinking a little bit, le- we're still having the problem. And if you if you want to like look forward thinking towards it, you can say, hey, maybe that number will come to zero. But when you give someone housing and there's absolutely no incentive to get better. Why? Why would they do that? I mean, that's that's the question I would ask is like, So we have this person who's, you know, manic every day, who goes into a housing appointment, ends up yelling at property managers like they know them or something, you know, but yet we're still going to go and take them all across San Diego down some of the most expensive real estate or, or house them right next to it. I mean, people are right next to PECO Parkage, which is downtown San Diego, when you come, you'll have to come. Uh, It's a, it's a great place to be, man. But that East village part of downtown San Diego has gotten so rough. This, this street camping is, is, is more than ever. It's more than ever. And like you said, uh, San Diego doesn't seem like to be the biggest, you know, on the map topic where everyone's like, oh, the homelessness there is bad. But when you live here and you're, you're and then for me, when I worked in it, it's terrible. It's it's terrible. And the people there have no there's no sense of motivation to get out. There's you know, there's parties at night on East Village, all with the tents there. Everyone's dancing. It's a it's a it's a community, but a, it's a community of uh, it's it's a sad community, man, for it just is. I, you know, I, that many people want to have these kind words to say, but like I, I was in there. I've heard all the kind words. It doesn't fix anything to say kind words. So I've gotten to the point where you need to use actual harsh language of what's going on. And if you have street camping, that's not ideal. You tell me if you if that sounds like ideal. You know, it, it, no one ever is like that's that looks like a lot of fun. No,
1: I hear that totally, man. Did you grow up in San Diego?
2: No, I I've been a oh, Southern no, California. Okay, you're in yeah uh, Southern California, California yeah. boy. I, I've been out here now for three years, uh, going on four. So I feel like I've I've really I get to, okay. But I, you you've know, grown up. To know it. You've
1: grown up in California all my life. Okay how how has it changed over time? Because I'm I'm not even American, I'm not from California, but a lot of people, even when I was Mm -hmm. in LA, Mm -hmm. in San Francisco, a lot of people tell me that this is something that has changed very significantly and really, really increased and gotten worse over the past decade in particular, but even several decades.
2: Yeah, the federal government put out a report in 2020, actually, that shows, and they're looking at the dates of 2014 to 2019, and then I'll get into some modern times. Um, But 2012 is really when the pilot of Housing First kicked off. So, you know, you give them, you give that policy two years to really get its hands and feet into communities. And you look at two years after, so 2014, right? 2014 to 2019, that's a five-year gap. And in that five-year gap, 20 and a half percent increase in homelessness. And you go, okay, Housing First, the advocates, everyone said, You put them in housing, you'll have less homelessness, you'll have more people working, you'll have a better society. That was proven and admitted by the federal government as false. And if you want to dive deeper into what America was dealing with during that five-year span, you know, a lot of the housing first advocates go, high unemployment rates, of course, you're going to have high homelessness. Well, if you look at 2014 to 2019, there was actually almost a full 3% decrease in unemployment. So jobs were there and were able to be had, it just didn't seem that the people were wanting to get them who were in that kind of environment. Cause you see an increase in homelessness, but a decrease in unemployment. They're not directly correlated, but you see where I'm going with that a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So modern times since the pandemic hit, it and has, it has gotten so much worse. It has, it has doubled in size and in, in the street atmosphere of it. Um, specifically, if you look into Ocean Beach, it's a beach part of town in San Diego. Um, Prior to the pandemic, everyone knew that area as it, as it being the homeless hangout. A lot of people went there. There's a lot of uh, just go, drug deal. I mean, it really was just a drug scene in OB. We call it OB down here. So um, when you get to that area now, prior to pandemic, you would see one homeless person to every five, maybe two. It's, it's bad, but not, great, not terrible. Now, you're seeing three to four homeless people to every five unhomeless people. So it's like wow. almost every person you are seeing. Is homeless or on the street, and um, my girlfriend lives there right now, and she's a part of the, you know, the crime statistics, and she's seen it just skyrocket. I mean, it's it's so dangerous out there too. So, she's now looking at different places to stay. So it's it's not only affecting the people who are on the street, but the people who are paying to live in this area. You're you're blocks from the beach. You have amazing properties. You have great restaurants. Great everything but then you just have this huge homeless issue right in the middle of it and there's doesn't seem to be any sort of fixing it and the police Mm -hmm. you know they they're there but it's like uh, they're just hands off it's it's a hands off it's a full hands off approach man it it really really is so since the pandemic i've seen it grow twofold and if you're looking at statistics of when it started in that 2014-2019 gap you've seen nothing but homeless growth strictly Mm -hmm. so
1: why what are the what are the core reasons for that
2: I think it's everyone I've seen is it's drug addiction. It's some sort of drug or mental health issue. What, and when you talk to them, it seemed like an issue that was enabled by maybe they had friends, family members living, let them living at the time that just got out of control to where they couldn't, um, con- you know, make their own rent. You know, find a place with a roommate who would have them in a place with mm-hmm. them, you know, wh- whatever it may be. So it, it came to a point where they just ruined relationships and ended up on the street and never kind of found momentum.
1: Yeah. But what's, what do you think has led to the increase? I mean, you, you pointed out a specific time yeah. where you said it really, really started to increase. And why is that?
2: You know, you, you, there's a lot of, it's a, it's a, like an onion. You got to peel it off layer by layer a little bit. And, and there's so many different approaches, but I think one of the main issues was this housing first of giving someone who is a drug addict at the time, or has a, a serious mental health issue, schizophrenia, or whatever, let's give them their own apartment Which then, you know, if they have friends and now they have exteriors coming into the same area, which then could increase their also homelessness, you know. So maybe someone who was fringe homeless had a friend who went full-blown homeless and went to the housing first circuit and now they're using their services and now, boom, it has Mm -hmm. unraveled into multiple people and then those people get into housing first. Also, and the cycle continues. Um, So, you know it's it could be that but I, I really do think when i've seen it you know i've seen it too so you put someone in there they have you know we all have friends at our house but when we're trying to get you off the streets and this is our plan for 9 months of like fix you, like fix this issue let's let's focus on that right let's focus on that issue instead of let's having friends and doing this and not answering calls so i think having that environment for other people to come into as well really created this uh, this spill out effect
1: mm mm-hmm. I know in um Michael Schellenberger's book, San Francisco, he yeah. says that a lot of the, um, the drug-using homeless people referred to it or compared it to Pleasure Island. Yeah. So that people from mm-hmm. – it seems that with a lot of these policies because this perverse incentive has been created. Right. And then I guess also, to be fair, California has some of the best weather mm-hmm. in the USA all times yep. of the year. So yep. you get people who are coming from other – outside the state mm-hmm. and are migrating into San Diego, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, San Francisco to take advantage of the hyper tolerant drug policies. You're hitting um, on the nose. And also the incentives and ability to, as you said, it I mean it sounds so weird even mm-hmm. talking about this as a as a community, but to right. to join this community and atmosphere yes. and to be with like minded and like habited
0: Mm-hmm. people
1: and to be able to do this and know that they're going to be treated very leniently. A
2: hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's, that's, that's correct. I mean, cause I've had people who, like I said, like I, you want to have a conversation with them. Like, Hey, we've now missed five housing appointments. You're, you came in here to get housed. You know, I have all the openings for you, but you, you can't, you can't find the time to like go see your case manager to get some drug rehabilitation. You know, you can't find your case manager to get the the Uber or Lyft services we provide to come there. So it's like this enablement and then the issue of housing people and case management not being able to put some pressure on the person and be like, hey, like we need you to do this so we can provide this assistance and you can eventually be good. It was this full-blown enablement. And then going back to the community part that you were saying, I had people who I did house who would go, I much rather have my tent inside this house than mm-hmm. be living out on the street. And I'm like, you're going to put it like, I'm going to put a tent in here. I'm like, you put a tent in there then, you know? And it's like, you can't have a serious conversation of what psychologically that can do to someone of putting them in a home, but then reminding them of their old life and putting a tent in there. Right. So like you couldn't have real life conversations. We weren't, we weren't allowed to, I mean, it didn't seem like we had that freedom. I had some rapport with some of my clients, but I couldn't. I couldn't be their mother, and we were not given the the, the right to be like. You need to do this, or I'll, I'm not going to take you to see this housing appointment. Plain and simple. Like that was not an option for me.
1: I hear that, man. Yeah, it sounds. It sounds frustrating. I can, <laughs> It's frustrating <laughs> as an outsider. So I, yeah. I can only imagine for someone who's working within it. It was um, man, and has had those personal direct experiences. What it must be like. Yeah. So I think we've. Uh, I think we've done a decent job of diagnosing the issue and some of the proposed solutions that do not seem to be working, particularly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this housing first policy and the harm reduction policies. Yep. So let's talk about solutions. Yeah. yeah. In your experience and observation and even in terms of real life results, what yep. is it that works? What are the policies and ideas that can be put in place that can help to reverse this trend?
2: Yeah. Um, getting this question, I always say policy will, is usually not going to be the reason why someone kicks homelessness, right? That usually policy can help, policy can aid, but kicking homelessness, kicking drug issues, finding a job has to come from that person. So a lot of this issue comes from self realization, um, self, you know, having it be something that that person needs to do. So, uh, but a, a policy that could be implemented, that I've seen for veterans, because that was my specific um, group, um, is, is shelter first, housing earned. So, you know, having these uh, shelters that are there to, you know, let someone get off the street so they're not sleeping on the street, clean the streets up of all these cities, put them in the, 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 the center where they have all the services they may need. But making sure that we have this 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 carrot and stick method, if you will, of, you know, we need you monthly to take drug um, tests. And if you do that, we can keep you staying here and we'll continue to provide services and we'll continue to do this for you. Uh, You know, every week we need you to go look at a job. We need you to go find do volunteer services to be part of your community again. Whatever that may be is having this shelter first Housing earned environment, I believe, will then start the process of putting onus back onto that person into being like, I know. I mean, everyone's got to know they have an issue. I've asked them, they all know as much as they pretend like they could be, they know what the problem is and what's going on. So if you can say it to that person and make them realize that's the issue, and here's what we can do for you as long as you work within this framework, I believe that policy could really go a long way, you know, give them a place where they can feel they can go, but you have to have rules at that place, right? You need to check in at a certain time. You need to not disturb the people around you. You need to have a a drug checkup because that is part of the issue why you are on the streets, right? So having some sort of structure that actually allows people to know, okay, I need to do these things to help me, but also to be eligible for these, these services that California is just openly providing to to anyone, really anyone, as long as you can prove you do not pay rent or something. And we don't even do that great of a detailed check. If you're on the street and we encountered you on the street and we intake you in our program right there, that is what we're seeing. We'd have no idea. Maybe you are couch surfing. Maybe you are. We have no idea. We have no idea. So they get housing and we haven't, I mean, we haven't really done our homework completely on that person besides checking our little service provider database and going, oh, they touched that program. They touched that program. Um, but other than that, we don't know anything about that person. Mm. So yeah, shelter first, housing earned, I think would be a great, great start to fixing this issue a little bit.
1: I got that. I mean, what can the, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this and I myself am thinking, and I, you know, I've thought this, you know, I'm I'm originally from the UK and Mm -hmm. with homelessness in the UK, it, it, which, which in terms of the, in terms of the drugs and the mental health issues, of course that exists. But as I said, it's overall on average, it's, it's not the level of Mm -hmm. Um, it's not as severe as it is in certain parts of California but I often wonder like what is what can the normal everyday average person do to help in this situation it's something I've Mm -hmm. wondered for a long time and I don't really know the answers and I think it's a tricky one because Again, when you know that someone has an addiction to to alcohol or hard drugs or anything, you know, even if they ask you for money, it's like, well, if I give you, if I give this person you know, 10 pounds mm-hmm. or $10, are you mm-hmm. just going to go off and right. you know, buy something else that's going to, that's going to yeah. mess you up? Totally. Um, does, you know, do you, do you even need food? You know, sometimes there's people sure. who genuinely, sometimes there's people who genuinely need food and then there's mm-hmm. people who hundred percent food, food, food's not really an issue. And I think a lot of the reason why a lot of people don't do much is because they don't know what to do that will Mm -hmm. make things better rather Mm -hmm. than rather than worse. So, do you have any idea of what people can do, you know, individually and collectively within their communities? Because this is this is not just about California, right? This is happening in this happening all over. 100%. All over the world to some degree, but certainly all over the USA. So, what can people do?
2: Yeah. So, when I first got into the housing homelessness realm, I was just doing general food services and, and clothing, which it, it, like it does help, right? You, you, if you find someone who does need food, does need a pair of pants, whatever maybe, that helps. That's but that again is it's just a day's worth of help, which is fine, yeah. and that goes a long way for that person. But if you want to make long lasting changes. I truly do not believe donating and volunteering as much as it gets pushed as that is the way you can help I, I if you look at where your donations are going you'll be shocked if you look at how much these nonprofit CEOs and 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 big time big wigs are making you would be I mean shocked is not a good word you'd be you'd be disgusted really yeah. you'd be disgusted on what these people are making and how much they get increased in wages when we see a twenty percent increase in homelessness, right? So, yeah. what I think you should really do, and what I took on to myself through working for my organization, was getting involved in my local politics. So, ingratiated in, and in, in, in wrapped in our the federal budget, what is going on in Washington? What is Biden saying? What, 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 but what you should do is get involved in your local city politics to know what policies are being implemented, pushed, presented that. And and then learn about them because, you know, when you take a vote on like a housing first initiative and that gets put into play and you see San Diego become an increase or a small L.A. and And you're looking like we don't want Skid Row here. Well, then you need to get involved in the policies of it all. There's so many good websites I can I can link you some after this for people to look up, but you can get involved. You can know what's being pushed. You can know who are the big players in the arena and you can put some pressure on them. You really could, whether that be through feel, social media college. Feel
1: free to if there's if there's a couple key websites, feel free to drop them on the podcast so people can just
2: yeah, okay. Uh, their phones or I'll, I'll, okay, sure. But yeah, um I think really trying to find the policies that are going through and uh, and seeing those players, those those are public figures, right? So I'm not saying go harass them, but pr- we need to let them know what, what we as city uh, people who are paying our rent, who are paying taxes, what we want to see. What do we want to see in our city? What's going to be the change? Is and and, and and asking them, what does this policy look like in practice? Don't just tell me what it looks like on paper. What is it going to look like for a homeless person to be housed and to successfully be unhoused and permanently housed on their own? What does that look like? And if you really push them, you're not going to get a a. a concise answer you're going to get a lot of the progressive nomenclature of it's kind it's tolerant man like it's it's what we should all be doing to just let this person get by they they Mm. pull on the heartstrings to make you back up and go oh am i am i being an ass right now am i not being sensitive right now to this issue right and you and you just go you, you have to sit there and go no What's the facts, right? And and looking into policy that gets you closer to factual information on what is going on in your city. So I think that's a great place to start is learning your constituents, what's going on, who's saying what, and why they're saying it. Because a mm-hmm. lot of funding can come from people who are helping that person push a certain
1: thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's such a it's, a it's such world. a shame. Yeah, man. No, it's it it it, it sucks. Um, it's. I don't know. It's um it's a shame and it's also I, I think one of the issues there is when it comes to these policies. Yeah. They sound good on paper. Right. I think that's a problem or they certainly don't sound harm. I mean how can harm reduction? Who's against harm reduction? Right? right? Like right. You you see what I mean? So it's 100%. It's this, yeah, exactly. it's got this title where if someone says, you know, we're putting in harm reduction policies, nobody's going to go, "No, no, 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 we don't want" harm reduction mm-hmm. is it's like <laughs> but it's called harm reduction right? right and it sounds so simple but that is how people hear things people just hear yes. things and they don't really dig into it no. housing first i'm like if someone just says housing first i'm like okay well what's wrong with right what's wrong with that right it doesn't sound 100 like oh no that's a terrible idea it's like right. housing first okay yeah put people in housing and then i think that's big a big issue is what sounds good or feels good or what works on paper, even the way it manifests in real life. Now that it's been tried many, Mm -hmm. many times over Mm -hmm. um, it's not working. And I think human beings in general, and especially this gets muddier when you start to mix up politics with it and you start to mix in voting and, you know, social media, all all this stuff that, you know, Mm -hmm. people are constantly jousting for status is so much stuff comes down to people Appearing to be doing the right thing and appearing to be doing things that work rather than reality and real world consequences. I mean, right? look, look at the past two years we've just lived through. I mean, <laughs> it's all about what looks right on paper, or yep. what, 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 what gets votes or the way polls are going, yeah. what people are seeing, what people are feeling. It's not about, okay, what's the real world? impact of this how tangible is this what are the Mm -hmm. downstream consequences is this really working are we doing this because you know politically it gets votes or because it makes you look like you care or is it actually helping people is it genuinely saving people are we making people's lives better are we actually protecting people or Mm -hmm. are we just doing all this fluff talk lip service feel good exactly yeah um and is maybe winning us votes but when you look at the actual people impacted, it's not really helping them. And I, I think this is a, a huge issue we have on um, not just this homelessness issue. I think it's I think it's a big problem actually we have in the West yep. in general yep. um, where we live in this age of, and, and maybe it's always existed to some degree, but I feel like we very much live in an age of emotionality mm-hmm. and everything is about, it's more about emotions than facts and reality. It's like, it's all about feelings and um appearances and virtue mm-hmm. signaling it's not about mm-hmm. real virtue it's not about real impact it's not about truly helping people and making a difference it's just about feeling like you are doing so and showing yeah. every and showing everyone else right. that you're, you're a doing quote that. unquote good person because you're also doing the thing whether it's putting something in your social media bio or yep. like you know you see it all right and i think that's such a fundamental core problem that we are having because mm-hmm. it even also silences people it prevents people from talking about these issues honestly i mean totally i th- I think an advantage i have in this world yeah like quite a big one is that i don't mind looking or even sounding like the bad guy sometimes sure sure right like i'm I'm okay <laughs> with that i can do what i do because yep. i can do this podcast because i'm you know sure, someone could take some of this and y'all you don't know, take some clip and go oh look you know make, make it sound like totally You know, I or yourself or something. Yeah. Oh, look! Look, this clip shows that he doesn't care care. about. Yeah, and it's like, no. I mean, it's it's totally backwards. Hundred percent. But I, I don't. I've just gotten to a stage where I'm like, look, I I don't care. You can call me this name. You can say this. You can say that. I know where my heart's at. Yeah. Um. And I know what my intentions are. And I'm not going to allow this emotional blackmail and manipulation (laughs) to prevent me from at least. Trying to seek the truth. I don't have all the answers. Right. I don't know everything. That's why I love doing podcasts like this and getting people like yourself on. Because hey, I, I don't know about the. I've never been to San Diego. I don't know about <laughs> the. I certainly haven't worked in uh in in housing policy and worked right. for this right. charity and whatever. So I'm like, cool. Like, let me talk to, let me talk to you and try to get a better understanding of the situation. And we won't have every single answer, but we can no. at least talk about it yeah and open people's minds and open open people's hearts and then maybe they can go okay cool like let's let's look into this a little bit more yeah. what's going on in my city what's happening in my area
2: totally and to read and like really like reignite that conversation like light that fire again because we're all just so like a emo- like you said emotionally blackmailed until like hey sleeping on the street is is it's kind it's ta- like none of that That's and so not- when to go off that, the emotional blackmail, like we, you know, the housing section of my nonprofit, like we were in it and learning. It. We knew what it costed to take these property managers to run this place, what it meant for their reputation if a homeless person came in here and just ran amok, right? We understood that. So the housing uh, uh, section, we all got like some of the real, you know, issues with housing first. We understood it, but we, you know, we'd go out for drinks or whatever and, and hang out and be like, dude, so and so is not going to get better by giving them housing. And everyone's like, no way. And we're all just like, mm, but we got to get them housing, you know? So it's like, it's this like silent killer. That's that sweeps through organizations. Like this sweeps, it's sweeping through the rest, the mm. West of, of being, just be kind and tolerant and the rest is going to figure itself. And if it doesn't, at least you were kind and tolerant. And it's like, yeah. how is, how is that any sort of policy? How is that any sort of way of being? So, so part of my journey to why I'm, I'm here today talking with you two, is getting that, that's that self, I guess confidence, and to say like, no, screw this! Like this does not work. I'm not going to continue to work for your organization. Continue to intake veterans who, a a fought for our country and now b are being treated like, whatever. And now we're going to throw them into housing and just hope it all gets better. You know, just hope. So, uh, just just getting over that pathological altruism that everyone wants to perfect way to put it. You know, it's just it's just it needs to stop. We need Mm -hmm. to stop and get back to like what does a hard conversation look like it doesn't mean i hate you or hate that person because we disagree mm-hmm. let's talk let's get to some sort of middle ground and even at the end of this we still completely disagree at least we talked at least yeah. we both got our 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 peace out and now we can you know we have a better foundation to work with and we have mm-hmm. a better grounds to walk forward on because right now it's all these like fluffy fluffy clouds and and and, you know like flower fields and everyone's just like oh it's no good there's a homeless person there just forget about it exactly it's it's too much dude
1: the first time i ever went to california was 2019 and i went to la i was in la for two weeks and then i went to san francisco for one Mm -hmm. week first time ever there right okay um and honestly i was i was shocked I was genuinely shocked. And I say this again, as someone who's traveled a lot and seen a lot of things, I was genuinely shocked. And I wasn't just shocked by the situation with these people out on the street and some of the activities I saw them indulging in, in in the open. I was shocked that people were walking around like this was normal or acceptable. Yes. Right. I remember I was was in San Francisco. It was probably about 8.30 p.m. 8:30 9:00 thirty okay. nine p m on a saturday night um I was in the somewhere like on the edge between the tenderloin and okay. the downtown area Funny in idea. the park in a park next to me, like mm-hmm. just meters away from me
2: mm-hmm.
1: were i'd say fifteen to twenty people doing heroin, yeah, just in the open like just next to me oh, yeah. in the park, and I'm just there kind of like watching. Yeah, and people are just going about their business, you know, popping into CVS or whatever. It's people going mm-hmm. getting, getting ready to go to bars and clubs, and they're just walking past and what? And I'm like, am I the only one seeing this? Is right. this is this normal? Is this like, <laughs> you know, in the UK, you. You do not see that, you, you, right? Like, it's right? not that. Yeah. Yes, there are people who do heroin in the UK, but they do it mm-hmm. behind closed doors. <laughs> right. It's not in, right. I was just like, I was like, yeah. this is crazy. I've never seen this. Like, they're like, you know, heating up the spoon and I saw mm-hmm. them tying each other's arms. And You're like, what is happening right now? I was yeah. like, what? Like, what is I, happening? Yeah, yeah, this is wild. I saw people yeah. just like smoking crystal meth, and so on. Like, yeah. I was only yeah. there for a week. I wasn't, you know, <laughs> and I wasn't going out looking for this. I yeah. was just like, yeah, yo, this is crazy. And wild. I, you know, I talked to Uber drivers or talked to. Oh, other dude, people in, and they're talking like people are so used to it, right? And I'm like, yeah. you should not. I'm like, you should not be used to this. No, like, you should be. You should no. be like screaming at your politicians, or you should yes. be like, right? Like this is right. not normal. Like this is not no. normal. This is not okay. Um, this is not compassionate. This is not no. kindness. Anything. This is not. I'm just like, no, this is horrible. Like these are Americans. americans right? yes. That's the thing. To me. I'm like, the, I'm like these. These are American citizens. Right um who uh, you know i believe human beings are worth a certain level of, of dignity and, and sure. respect and i'm just like yo this is not you no. know and, and i say this as someone who's who's very uh who's pretty libertarian leaning and is Same. like you know you know the, the state you know the state shouldn't be involved in everything, uh, but yeah, i'm just like yo I'm like, like i don't know mm-hmm. exactly what caused this and exactly how to get out of it but this is not yeah. good like it's not it like yeah this is not yeah this, this is no. not. no this is not it this is not yeah this is not healthy this is not safe this is not good for them it's not good for you it's not good for your city it's just not good
2: no it's it creates a unsafe environment for everyone involved you know you like we were for god's sake so our, our people like housing specialists me were were equipped with narcan do you know what narcan is
1: Yeah, that's when someone overdoses and they inject it and it brings them back to life, essentially.
2: Yes. And we got full training because we are a housing first organization and we are not going to force people to stop doing their drug of choice. We were we were giving extensive training on how to administer Narcan instead of instead of having com- instead of being trained on how to have a hard conversation with mm. your client about their drug issue we were taught on how to stick a needle in the arm to make sure they revitalize from the overdose they're about to have yeah. you know and we were told hey when you do that for the most part you're gonna ruin that person's high and they're gonna be pretty mad and I'm like like this this is, <laughs> like this this is, is the not concern. real that's the concern we're, we're concerned on them we're <laughs> ruining their high in the middle of of, of a busy highway or whatever, may be, like we were, we were told like, you're going to ruin their high. You might want to walk. I'm like, this is strictly madness. And the fact that we're paying this organization to come here and talk to a group of us about how to administer Narcan and not to ruin people's high and you're paying them for it. Like, you see where I'm going? Like everyone's mm-hmm. getting the wheel is so greased with money, dirty money that like, it, it's sad to see how, how many, unnecessary dollars are going to things when there's stats, when the federal government is telling us, it's telling us it's not working it's mm-hmm. it's just not so yeah. these progressives they can continue to push for this this policy they can continue to say it's working in san francisco and la and and, and pretend like everyone's just going to turn a blind eye to it but you know like people like me and you who are starting these conversations it needs to continue and i hope through michael and are getting on rogan multiple times and mm-hmm. pushing his message people really start to go and see what he's about see what he's talking about and juxtapose that to what Gavin Newsom's doing, man. He's been mm. ruining cities in, in California. He went from San Francisco to now LA. He's like just ruining cities. So we need a change of leadership and it has to start with someone who has as much power as a governor of California. So, yeah, there's, yeah. there's got to be some.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think people need to be, you know, in this and in everything else, people need to be willing to have these conversations and to yep. speak out and to be bold and to be courageous because pe- people are always going to try to shout you down, right? You know, mm-hmm. I get people who are like, oh, you know,
0: you're, you're not <laughs> from, sure. you're
1: not from, you know, yeah, I get, of course, you know, you're not yeah. from here. What I'm like, bro, right. like, or you're not compassionate. I'm like, dude, like, I don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah. I'm just a human being yes. who doesn't like seeing people living in squ- like i don't like seeing people living in squalor i don't like right. seeing people like we're in medieval times destroying themselves like you yeah. know i'm looking at someone and i'm like yo if they keep that up they're going to be dead in a couple hundred percent in a couple months like i don't like i mean you want to talk compassion it's like yeah, yeah. i mean if, if if i were a sociopath i wouldn't even care i'd just be like right. okay it's not my city right like right. whatever i'm not from california i'm not from la mm-hmm. like what mm-hmm. i'm not even from in- i'm not even from america <laughs> right like i'm just right like, yeah but i'm just coming in and going like yo guys like there's an issue something. yeah right like i mean if yeah, an american yeah. came to if an american came to the uk yeah and there was like some huge obvious problem <laughs> with standing out that isn't <laughs> right is bad in their country and they're like uh yeah you know you, you should be oh you're not from here so like you right it's like well maybe that outside perspective it's might good be more objective and honest <laughs> totally than zooby. what totally you zooby. are used to you know especially if you've been living through this yeah, for insulated. such a long time yeah, yeah. and I, and i think an issue as well is just the the pol- the politicization of it all 100% right because there's this notion of you know it's this binary split you know democrats and republicans and conservatives and liberals yep. and it's just like dude i don't when it comes to stuff like this yeah. like yes i have my political views more widely but like who cares like this is this is right. a human this is just a human issue yes right yes people yes. from different sides may have different policies and ways they think will fix it but really you all need to just come together because i'm sure every everyone agrees that it's a problem look there's no one in the world there's nobody who wants more homelessness and more drug addiction and more violence and like that's not that's not a thing right there can be people whose policies and ideas potentially lead lead to more of it right but that's 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 a a flaw in a in a a policy and a line of thinking but Mm -hmm. the actual motive is similar like when people are able to get past all the political nonsense you'll actually find that for the most part yep most remotely sane people want Mm -hmm. fairly similar things they may differ widely in the way they think is best to approach it and to achieve it and who should be responsible for it but i'm not seeing a lot of people out there you know i I've, i've said the same thing to um you know, I've spoken to people on the podcast who uh, support things like you know Black Lives Matter much more than I do, and right. I'm like, look, no one is out there saying that there's no movement that is pro cop killing. There's no, there's yeah. no mainstream movement that's pro, um, like more, more pro, more racism, pro, right. more people getting killed. Pro, right. like that doesn't exist. That's no. not a thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a Black Lives mm-hmm. Don't Matter organization right. that you're pushing back against it's all right. a straw man right everyone agrees implicitly that people's lives matter right right black right. white latino asian like mm. male female straight like no i'm not Doesn't seeing matter. anyone in the west out there <laughs> advocating like no yeah. these these people don't matter, don't right? matter. We, we, yeah. we want, it's like no it's not a thing but yeah. you people are running across this imaginary enemy almost yes i think that's a big problem that happens when it's like, okay, well, we're the ones who are fighting for this and we're fighting against this. Imagine. It's like, no, like those aren't your, That's not, there's no enemy there. No. Right. It's just no. like, look, everyone agrees. Everyone would like to see this situation yep. get better. Yeah. Right? Even people who are not from LA people who are not from San Diego yeah. would like to see that situation get better. I, I know people even from other, you know, fellow non-Americans yeah. who have been to these cities and are like, man, like LA is such a cool city, but, Mm -hmm. but this thing is like, this is a real problem or this is getting worse. Yeah. Everyone would like to see it, see it get better. Even if you're just a visitor, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think this is a wider problem of the, these like, yeah, there are times where, you know, people are really like ideological opponents, but I don't Mm -hmm. think this is one of them. I Mm -hmm. think this is one where it's like, you know what? Everyone, everyone actually agrees on the, agrees on the fundamental. Yep. Issue here, and would like totally. to see it improve. Um, so, if you can kind of put your swords down for a moment, yeah, and just talk to each other and invest, yep. or yes, yes, you know, to use the progressive phrase, do the work, uh, do the work, um, you know, like like do do, do some work, do on, the work on this specific thing. Then mm-hmm. I'm sure you can help a lot of these people because ultimately you're talking about human beings, you know, yeah. We're not talking about um, we're not talking about anything else. We're talking about tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of men yeah. and women like ourselves who we'd like to help and maybe maybe you can't help absolutely everybody because ultimately right. they have to help themselves but yes they do we can do something that um makes it easier for them, Gets them to towards help themselves their goal. yeah, yeah exactly. and
2: going off that i feel like a lot of that california uh, progressive mindset is like they don't want to be the first one to say the thing they don't want to be the first one to say that thing that everyone's like don't say the mm. thing. so and in this like case yeah, exactly. So in this case, you know, I was talking to one of my progressive friends that I just had met and I knew his politics and I was he hadn't known that I worked in the housing first um environment before. So I let him know, "Hey, before I worked at this job that I'm at now, I did this." And he's like, "Oh, was that, you know, was that the kind of policy where you gave people housing and made sure that they didn't have to, you know, adhere to drug stuff and stuff like that?" I'm like, "Yeah, we just gave them housing." And they're like, "That's good." And I'm like, "You have a minute? You know, you have a minute for me to explain why that's not good?" And by the end of this conversation, they were like, "Oh, I I didn't I didn't know that mm-hmm. and I'm like and do you see how me explaining it to you in this way does not make me some sort of guy that wants to throw them in asylums and forget they exist do you see how what i'm saying here is rational and how it's affecting the city that we both live in and and by the end of it they were like yeah, I a hundred percent do. I can see how it's progressive to just give them housing, but how that, you know, eventually doesn't work. So I was able to sit down with this person who is a full lefty and go, Mm -hmm. look, man, like this isn't working. Trust me. I worked it. So that also goes to my my point of people have these huge, broad opinions on these topics. they never stepped foot into you Mm. you know you're you're talking about fighting you've never been in a fight you're talking about homelessness you've never dealt with homelessness you know you haven't been in that arena so it's like a lot of this like this like pounding of the table and like stomping of the feet comes from people who are like well i heard so and so say and i trust what Mm. they say it's like well have you lived it have you gone on the street and asked someone why they're here have you you know dug deeper into what the housing first policy specifically looks like like it's all about just like I heard this thing and these progressives back it so and you know I'm aggressive so I gotta back it so it's like I'm on your team guys like look it I'm waving yep. the flag I'm yeah, waving yeah. <laughs> the flag guys so yeah. that was a moment where I saw the flag being waved and I was like it's it's time to be done I'm gonna say what needs to be said and it ended up being good so I, I think that's a that's a you know precursor like people like have these conversations if these people that you're talking with are your friends or you don't know them if they're if they're if they're a normal human being, they're going to listen to you. And that conversation won't end up in a heated encounter, you know, whatever it may be. I just say, have the conversation, say the thing that you know you want to say that they know they want to say, just say it and talk about it. It doesn't make you a bad person.
1: There we go, man. Man, And I think that's a perfect place to end. Tyler, thank you so much for sharing your insights on this. It's been great to chat to you. Where can people find you online?
2: Yeah, go, go on my Twitter, man. I, I had a post about Housing First recently that kind of blew up a little bit and got some traction. Um, a lot of people have different comments on it. So if you want to get on there and join the conversation a little bit, follow me on Twitter. It's ty underscore g underscore a. I'm going to write a piece about Housing First homelessness for an article coming out. Um, so, you know, if you want to, you know, get involved and listen to what San Diego's got to offer and from my lens, uh, follow my Twitter, man. And that's that's where you can get me.
1: Awesome. Great awesome. to speak to you, Tyler. Thanks, brother.